0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
1: You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time.
2: The British people have had enough of waiting. The time has come to act. People are really angry out there. They're angry that the referendum's not being carried out, but they're even angrier that politicians' promises to them have been broken.
0: Given how huge this decision is for our country, the severe consequences there will be for generations, it is time to put this back to the people and stop this Brexit chaos.
3: We will do everything necessary to stop a disastrous no deal. Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Sebastian Salek.
0: And a very good afternoon. I'm Caroline Hepker. Well, I feel like uh, I've had a double shot of coffee. Are you
3: excited? Yeah,
0: the election is coming, isn't it? Bryce Johnson succeeded in getting uh, the date secured, the 12th of December. It now goes to the Lords Parliament, uh, probably to be dissolved on Wednesday. But we're in uncharted territory because... What about this election in the depths of winter? And then who is ready? We know the Tories have been planning for a general election for months. What about everyone else? It's
3: getting cold out there, isn't it? I say this as someone with no rate is in their house currently, so I'm really suffering. But uh, those canvassers are going to have a difficult time. And the darkness as well. It's something Bloomberg's Edward Evans points out a lot when he comes on this programme, that there's only so much time you have to campaign in because once night falls, people aren't going to be opening their doors anymore.
0: Yeah, and flu. Don't forget about that one. Oh, yeah. Um, Get your jabs. Right. Uh, let's uh, uh, give you some of the... Uh, Uh, News points, though, when it comes to what happened in the House of Commons uh, yesterday. Uh, Of course, we did see the bill passed uh, for the Prime Minister uh, in a vote, um, basically, that has been caused in order to solve this Brexit deadlock. Now, the Conservative Party chairman James Cleverly says that the current makeup of MPs needs to change.
1: We're getting impasse all the time. We're getting no, 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 when no one's willing to say yes to anything. Um, So what uh, this general election will do is allow us to deliver this Brexit deal.
3: And meanwhile, for the Lib Dem leader, Joe Swinson, it's about one thing. Brexit, Brexit, Brexit.
0: We know that our future relationship with the European Union will have an impact on all of those other areas. And indeed, this is an election that will be deciding an issue, not just about who governs for the next five years, but about generations to come. Joe Swinson there. That said, there are concerns about low voter turnout, possible uh, postal voting uh, because, of course, of the time of year. Uh, But Labour MP Andrew Gwynne is hopeful.
3: We're not looking to the
2: future with confidence. And that's why I'm really excited about going out across the whole of the United Kingdom and selling the message of hope, because that is what this country is sorely lacking in.
3: So that's one message from him in Labour. I can't say that's something that's really echoed across the board. Uh, but we've got a great show for you. We're going to speak to Jagjit Chadder from NISA. They've got a new report out on the impact of Boris Johnson's Brexit deal. And later on, we'll be joined by Paula Surridge, who's a political sociologist at the University of Bristol, to talk about her modelling of how this election could play out. But first... Joining us right now is Therese Raphael from Bloomberg Opinion. Therese, let's take a look through all of these parties then, because they each have their priorities, they each have their level of preparedness. For the Tories first, it's all going to be about this people versus parliament thing we've been hearing so much about.
4: I think in a way, Johnson is now, now that he has a deal, he can shift slightly and he can say, his offer to people is to get Brexit done with his deal. He needs just a parliamentary majority and then he, he, you know, part B of his offer is we get this done and then we can move on and talk about the things you really care about like the NHS and, you know, building better railroads and, you know, and education. So he's got quite a simple, clear, direct message to bring uh, to voters and I think it will be maybe a little bit less contentious and Combative than we've seen him in Parliament to what he's had to do to get this election. Mm,
0: I think it's really interesting, though, isn't it? Because obviously Boris Johnson is so well known. Having said that, there are potentially some disadvantages to his popularity. Maybe people have, people have made up their minds, and also um, even fatigue, uh, given that the Tory Party have been in power for nine years. But look, let's leave the Tories to one side. What about Labour? Domestic issues for them? Uh, is that what they're going to try to focus on rather than Brexit, which is something that Mr. Corbyn's tried to avoid is it going to be more radical than 2017
4: it's certainly more radical than 2017 on the economic offering this is where corbyn would really like to fight this election he he his his pitch to people is i'm going to eradicate Poverty, reduce inequality. It's a hugely uh, socialist, uh, socialist-minded redistributionist uh, governing platform. However, he's not going to get to escape from the Brexit question. And there, his own party is divided. His policy is not one that voters are going to find, um, you know, easy to swallow. It is a Labour government would renegotiate a deal, would then put it to a referendum if they had to rule uh, in, say, in a coalition with the Scottish National Party, the price for that coalition would be a referendum on Scottish independence. So therefore Boris Johnson is going to people and saying, look, you can get Brexit done with me or you can vote in Labour and get two more referendums. And that's that's quite a powerful uh, weapon that uh, the Conservatives have against Jeremy Corbyn. So he's got a double hurdle. He has to sell people on a very radical economic agenda. He's got to sell them on a, you know, what, what looks to many to be quite a, a sort of... M- you know, muddled or at least a messy Brexit policy, um, and you know, and people now know who he is. Whereas in 2017, he was somewhat of an unknown quantity. His uh, poll ratings were low, and he outperformed them.
3: And then the Lib Dems. We heard from Joe Swinson a moment ago. They're really gunning for this Brexit thing because they've carved out that niche, haven't they, as the Remain party?
4: Yeah, I mean, and let's remember the reason we have this election is because Absolutely. on the weekend the Lib Dems moved along with the s they said, fine, we will support an election before Brexit. Why? Because it's th- their entire uh, campaign is around stopping Brexit. They are the Remain party. Had Johnson's legislation gone through Parliament and been adopted, even with amendments, what would the Liberal Democrats campaign on? Because Brexit would be done. So they, you know, they're in a sweet spot. In a way, Jo Swenson can't lose. She's not going to win a majority. But even uh, if she's in a position to be a kingmaker, that's good for her. And she's fighting the election on her terms. Mm, Very interesting. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this uh, afternoon. I'm sure we
0: will hear so much more from you, uh, Therese Raphael, in the coming weeks uh, from Bloomberg Opinion, of course, as this electioneering and the campaign really gets underway.
3: Absolutely. Let's take a look at the other big story today. This is the report out from NISA, the think tank, saying that Boris Johnson's Brexit deal would leave the economy 3.5% smaller every year and if we don't get out on january the 31st and that uncertainty continues nisa says gdp will fall by two percent a year so to talk about this we're joined by the director of nisa it's professor Jagjit chadda thank you very much for joining us first of all break down here where this economic hit is going to come from exactly please
2: well um the main cause of the economic hits in a free trade agreement is a retreat from the completely free access that we now have in goods and services and migration from the European Union. The free trade agreement will particularly hit uh, manufacturing goods uh, and uh, services, and services are an incredibly important part of the UK economy. And applying some friction on that, even in the context of this deal, we think will materially impact on output in a permanent way in the way you've just described. Mm. This is a 3% hit, not only for one year, but permanently. It's a a shift down in the level of activity on a permanent basis of a significant quantity. The size of Wales, in fact, is is the amount that we're going to lose every year.
0: Hmm, Gosh, Uh, yeah, and no wonder it has gotten so much attention then uh, today uh, in reporting, (coughs) uh, because in each of the scenarios that you uh, have looked at when it comes to Brexit, if it is carried out, you're saying that it will uh, shrink the economy. But having said that, The Bank of England welcomed the Brexit deal. They called it net economic positive. The Chancellor says that it's self-evidently in our economic interest. But you obviously would disagree.
2: Well, look, what we've been most concerned about um, in the middle part of this year is that we would leave the European Union with no deal. And that, we think, would lead to a tremendous um, set of shocks uh, to the economy, not only the short-run cost of firms being uh, unable to import things in the way they have in the past, but as well as we wouldn't exactly know what form of trading relationship we would have. No deal would have meant no clarity at all with our relationships with with our biggest trading partner, which also happens to be the richest trading bloc in the world. And, And so, yes, compared to that, it's better. But it's still not that good. And that's what we're trying to get across. We welcome a reduction in uncertainty. The economy has been struggling with uncertainty since 2016. But is
3: that really registering with voters? You've got a Brexit party that did so well in the European elections. And they're, of course, advocating for what they call a clean Brexit, which is essentially a no deal.
2: I'm I'm certainly of the view that British people are very smart we have a very mature democracy and through the media and the press I think people have a very good understanding of things and I think one of the reasons that people are prepared to accept the uncertainty is that we have very high levels of uh, of employment. Uh, Basically we have no unemployment at all so it's thankful that everyone is in a job who wants a job. That's allowing standards of living not to deteriorate in the way they would otherwise have done And this is where it always gets hard. What we're saying is that things could have been a little bit or significantly better had we not had this prolonged period of uncertainty in the recent past. Mm. I'm thankful we've got those high levels of employment. That allows us to have a mature and sensible debate in the country, which I hope is what will happen during the election campaign.
0: Yeah, I mean, always difficult, isn't it, uh, to tell people that there was a cake that may be there that you might have had, but you haven't had it. What about... any kind of Brexit, though, uh, and the potential economic uh, benefit. W- would any sort of exit from the EU, for example, if we managed to get that US trade deal, would that mean a big boost? Or I hear a lot about you know, the Commonwealth countries perhaps uh, helping the UK uh, in terms uh, yeah, of trade.
2: You're exactly right. And this has always been the um, the dilemma we've faced in analysing these issues. We're not so one-eyed that we're only going to look at the potential costs of trade of the European Union we've always wanted to understand the scope for more trade with the rest of the world. And of course, in the short run, that can be brought forward through the exchange rate depreciation that we've seen uh, persistently since 2016, and that can help uh, to some degree. But of course, the big prize is whether we can bring about free trade agreements with parts of the world that are growing fast and getting richer, and of course, with our friends in the United States. But our analysis, at least for planning horizons, which means the next five or 10 years, suggest that it's unlikely they would compensate to any great degree. Right. So, so where we're looking at a 3 to 3 to 4% loss from the trade we would lose with the European Union, yeah. at best we're looking at a point uh, 2, so something in the range of point naught to point 5 increase in activity from where we might get to the rest of the world.
1: Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude and it's the work
3: Let's have a look through these papers. I want to start with the Times. We've got a story on John Longworth, who's a Brexit Party MEP for Mm -hmm. Yorkshire and the Humber. He's calling for the party to scale back its election plans. Remember, they're very ambitious. They want to target 600 constituencies. He's saying we should focus on about 20 instead, find the most pro leave Labour seats. Uh, He thinks that's the best chance of getting pro leave MPs returned to Westminster, which he says is the most important thing. And of course, that would really change the landscape because that removes the risk of the Brexit Party from the Tories if they suddenly target really aggressively these Leave Labour seats.
0: Uh, Well, look, in one of the newspapers this morning, uh, Richard Tice, who is the Brexit chairman who has uh, spoken to here on Bloomberg Westminster before, was saying that Conservatives are begging him not to put people up uh, in their constituencies. uh, So, you know, in order to kind of prevent...
3: And these are the brexit ones.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And, uh, of course, uh, in the Daily Mail this morning, um, a really fascinating write-up with lots of lovely lines. The battle for The Workington Man. I mean, this was something uh, that our NISA guest, Jagjit Chadha, brought up earlier that it's actually going to be about working people, about jobs this election, potentially. Uh, So, uh, yeah. uh, I think that this is a really kind of fascinating bit of analysis about which uh, swing seats are going to be crucial for Boris Johnson in this Daily Mail piece. Uh, Lots of nice lines also, including from one Tory MP who was at the meeting with Boris Johnson after he actually got the election date passed through the House of Parliament yesterday. And reportedly, uh, Mr Johnson was telling his own MPs to forget about the polls, forget about everything you read. This is going to be an incredibly tough election. So he's really trying to rally the troops.
3: A very different stance to Toreen. May in 2017 as well, perhaps a little bit more humble. I like that working to man definition. Mm. Older, white, non-graduate male voters living in towns in the north of England with strong rugby league traditions. They've really painted a picture of a certain person uh, and these are people who voted Leave as well that they think are going to be key to grabbing from the Conservatives, or the Conservatives grabbing from Labour rather, in order to swing this election. Yeah, quite now,
0: specific isn't it, with the rugby reference there? It
3: is, yeah, <laughs> I don't really know what that's all about. Um, and then uh, the Guardian has a really good roundup of where all the parties stand on their policies, their preparedness for an election, and uh, it looks through their finances as well. So mm. the Tories, they've got more than £5 million in the bank in the second quarter. Labour raised just £2 million, but a lot in small donations, of course, and some from the trade unions as well. They've also got a few names out of the sort of people who have been writing the Tory manifesto for months and, and the shifts within Labour as well. I like the line they had about one of the, the, the Tory strategies, which was to make memes and circulate them online but make them deliberately really bad so that people talk about them and then (laughs) the policy comes through and they start talking about the policies behind them I'd Um, love to see that I want to know what memes uh,
0: yeah look social media is obviously going to play a massive role here as it did in uh, the the support for Jeremy Corbyn Uh, you know let's see who's going to leverage that the best it's about the dosh but it's also about how you use that uh, online I mean this is one question that we can of course put to our next guest so that's the papers. Uh, But joining us now is Paula Sorich, who is a political sociologist at the University of Bristol, my old alma mater. So I'm really delighted to speak to you, uh, Paula. Um, Look, let's delve into uh, this election. Uh, Is uh, people's Brexit identity superseding party affiliations? That seems to be the feeling that it's less about whether you're a Tory or a Labour or whatever voter. It's about how you feel about Brexit. Is that still true?
5: It's true for lots of people, but not for everyone. And so it, there is about half the population who do have these very strong Brexit identities, but there are there's also a, a group in the middle um, with much, much less strong or, or perhaps even no Brexit identity at all. Um, there's also other priorities people have, although, again, about half of people say Brexit is the most important issue facing the country. Some people say health. Some people still say immigration, some people say crime. So although Brexit is going to be really, really important, there are still going to be lots of voters who want to hear about, talk about and think about other things.
3: So is Labour wise then to try and avoid the whole Brexit issue and focus on these domestic policies?
5: Um, For Labour, yes, (laughs) because as soon as they start to talk about Brexit, they get themselves into this kind of muddle. And although their, their Brexit policy is clear it's also confusing to the voters because they seem to be kind of um, trying to please everyone and because Brexit has become an identity issue it's it's much harder to find a middle ground on those identity issues people are much more um, emotionally connect connected to their outcome mm. and so it tends to not please the people who have these really strong identities
0: mm, okay uh, we've talked a little bit about the conservatives and labor but what about the liberal Democrats um, you've talked a lot about the importance of understanding where the 2010 Lib Dem voters are now talk us through what you found
5: yes so i think people are, are, are making the mistake of looking at 2017 as the sort of starting point and saying well the lib dems have got no chance here because they were in third place in 2017. Um, my view is that lots of people voted for the lib dems in 2010 and most of those people are still in the same constituencies and places that they were at that time um, so i think there's a a, a chance that the lib dems can reconnect with lots of their previous voters um in order to get back to a similar kind of vote share to the one that they had in twenty ten. Um but perhaps now with a greater concentration um in places where there are people with high levels of education qualifications. So where there are lots of people with degrees, we tend to see a concentration of people who might who might vote Lib Dem.
3: And what about the idea that this is going to be a winter election? How big an impact do you think that'll have?
5: I don't think we really know, because although we've had winter elections in the past, it was quite a long time ago, and kind of turnout levels generally were different, So, and, and just kind of transport infrastructures, all sorts of things, were very different the last time we had a winter election. What I do think is likely is that we'll see um, another increase in postal votes. Um, that's been an increasing trend over recent elections. And what, what that means practically for the parties is that actually their messaging needs to get out early in the campaign because if people are casting postal votes quite a bit before polling day, it's no good for parties to have a late surge in the last week hmm. because a big chunk of votes will already have been cast.
0: Yeah, of course, the pressure uh, on uh, the, the Royal Mail will be quite interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the, <laughs> the unions um, have, be, have been you know, threatening to strike and, uh, yeah, it's a very. that might be one other factor, but... Um, Talk us through uh, this other issue around um, the Conservative Party. So we saw, uh, you know, more than 20 Tory MPs losing the whip because of the wrangling over Brexit. And now, uh, along with this uh, date for the election, we have 10 MPs who have been uh, given the whip back. I mean, some big names um, uh, like Sir Nicholas Soames, but also Caroline Noakes, Steve Bryan. So some key figures. Why them? Is that why only 10 why them and will that make a difference
5: so I I honestly can't, couldn't say why those particular 10 that's not kind of part of part of what I look at but in terms of making a difference I would suspect that large numbers of voters in those constituencies didn't even notice this happen Um people are not that closely tuned in I know in the kind of Westminster bubble and people like <laughs> myself like, like like ourselves that are Following it closely, it's, it's the be-all and end-all, and we're constantly on this. But I would suspect that in many constituencies, people didn't even notice that happen.
3: But isn't there a decreased chance now of a split vote? If these were going to run a, run again, then you have the risk of you've got a, a independent candidate, a Lib Dem candidate, a Tory candidate in lots of them, uh, and, and that really sort of splits things out.
5: There was the potential for that, although I know there were discussions um, in some places for Lib Dems potentially not to stand against, against some of these MPs and also a number of them either were, had already announced that they were resigning or have um, since announced that they were resigning as MPs anyway. So I think it, it's, it's, it can get overblown a little bit in terms of, in terms of its impact.
0: Mm. Uh, What about this idea? We were talking about it in our little uh, paper review section, Workington Man. Uh, You know, uh, the the politician and political pundits love to have a label. Uh, This is an older, white, uh, non-degree holding uh, voter uh, who's um, perhaps looking at freedom, favouring security over freedom, thinking about the economy, about national culture here. So, you know, we being given a picture of this particular type of voter who could be very important in this election is that something that you think is going to be important or are there other key constituencies that you feel we're not talking about yet Uh, but
5: that is a constituency that's been talked about you know over and over really um in in the last three years you know however it's now got the label working to man is it just
0: white man van of 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 yesteryear
5: largely speaking yes um and the work I've done looking at this has suggested that actually those voters are not um, hugely likely to move from Labour to the Conservatives in this election. If they were going to move to the Conservatives, they did so in 2017. Um, I would have thought that if anything, if they're still with Labour, they're more likely now to move to the Brexit party if if they have candidates to move to um rather than the kind of direct conservative Labour switching. We and on really, that, very
3: quickly, who do you think the Brexit party is a bigger threat to? Because we've seen uh, a lot of talk of it splitting both the Tory and the Labour votes, potentially.
5: Yeah, I think it has the potential to split to split both. Um, and it, it varies very much seat by seat as to who it's likely to be the bigger threat to. Um, one thing I think that for this election is that if you want to answer questions about what's going to happen, you really need to be doing it on a seat by seat level because... You've got so many different potential kind of constellations of what the Brexit party might do, what the Lib Dems might do. It's really hard to just apply a kind of simple rule across a whole bunch of constituencies and find out what might happen.
2: Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London.
0: Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Eicher, And I'm
4: Skip Bronson.